Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt and Matt. My name is Matt. I'm Matt too. We are going to do our first review of testimony. We are. Uh, there was a there was a full day of testimony back there. The one of the last days, January. There was a lot, a few bills that came before, and I was there for part of it. We listened to some of it. We read the testimony, and now we're ready to recap it for you. Sounds very exciting. Isn't that exciting? I'm on the edge of my seat mostly because I'm going to fall off. Okay, so one thing we have decided to do is we are going to skip reviewing the resolves unless there's something really controversial because the resolves are mainly just uh, saying we're about to do something. We're right. going to set up a committee. Or a task or, force. Or a task force. Or we're going to recommend to do this to like move it to the legislature. So there, there is not a lot to talk about. So right. in, in the interest of, of time... Because if you've noticed, uh, we tend to ramble a little bit. Yeah, we do, but it, it always goes somewhere. It gets to the end eventually. Well, yeah, because we have to stop. We have to stop it. Pretty much. Eventually. Pretty much. Usually, it's when Matt's had enough of me. <laughs> or Matt's had enough of me. You figure out which. There you go. So we're going to start with LD fourteen, an act to improve the science and engineering education. I, I'm sorry for main students. There you go. I, I, it says dot 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 on the screen here. <laughs> Okay, uh, so we're going to start with this one for two reasons. We're going to try to stay in the order that they were presented, a if we remember. It's also the order that it's on the website for which, the testimony, which which we'll put a link to on our Facebook page or uh, on our uh, Twitter handle. That's yes, what it is. yes, we will. And where can you find that? I wonder. Twitter, you can find us at Maine Ed Matters, and on Facebook, you can get it at Maine Education Matters. So pause this. Go follow both those things and come right back. Yes. And I will say regarding this one, LD14, both on Twitter and on Facebook, there are there's a poll up there of what you would like to see. Would you like, uh, for this one, is all about the next generation science standards. Would you like to see Maine adopt the next generation science standards? S- tell us what you think, yes or no. It's a binary decision. Engage in the poll. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So what this bill does to recap, as Matt just kind of said, it includes uh, next generation science standards for K to 12 in the system of learning results and assessment and uh, directs the commissioner to amend the DOE rules by the end of this year to include science standards as part of the assessment process Correct. starting in 21-22, uh, I just saw. Yes. So like uh, three years from now. Yeah, we talked about that. It's an ambitious timeline for this to happen, for this to come forward, but... Bringing the next generation science standards in is one part of it. Then bringing the science assessment into the uh, evaluation rules is another part of it. So we've got all kinds of testimony. This one has actually had the most testimony on the first day. It was. It was. It was Set a, a record. <laughs> there wasn't a clock there, but it was. A, it was a busy morning. It was a. It was a busy morning. That was one of the ones I, I was there in person to see, and uh, a lot of folks there to talk about it. Uh, overwhelmingly, the testimony was in favor of this bill in yes. general in general yes there was a couple of against and there's a couple of uh, neither for nor against which you can also uh testify to which is kind of a like a more information right provided rather than um advocating for one of them or it could be that you know we like we like a lot of this part this bill but there are other parts of it that we really don't like that's kind of what these seem to be in they this, do in this particular case they do and in fact um, one of those, and I'll just jump right into it, sure. uh, that, uh, Dick DeRost, the uh, executive director of the Maine Principals Association, uh, his testimony is there. It's online. 
And uh, he went on and talked a lot about why they're neither for nor against. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing was that his verbal testimony, which kind of, the, the, the MPA's position was neither for nor against. But verbally, he was clearly against it. And the committee members kept asking him questions like, so you don't, so you, so you think that the standards, there shouldn't be statewide standards that all people are held accountable to? And he kept coming back to saying, it should be a local decision. It should be a local decision. It was, you could see the confusion on the committee members' faces. Like, so you're fine the foreigner against it, but what you're saying is, it was a, it was a very strange part of the testimony. So since I wasn't there, cl clarify this one for me. Sure. Was he saying it should be a local decision whether they adopt NGSS? Yes. Or whether, because standards are required. Yes. They're part of the main learning results right now. So it's not, it, I, I'm just going to clarify, he wasn't saying I'm against having science standards, period. He was saying that this should be a local decision. The look that you're giving me right now is okay. the same look that was happening with the committee members. That it was, it was very confusing because trying to bring you right into the moment, right there. It's like remember when it was you were there. Uh, <laughs> you, you you brought us right there because that okay. was that was what happened, and you That's could see odd. committee members asking questions like, "So you think that the standards shouldn't be statewide?" And he kept going, uh, "Local decision," and it was it was very confusing. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, some of the ones that were, we're not going to go through all the testimony. No. There was a lot. But a lot of the ones that were in favor for were the, the ones that you would think that would. So, for instance, Texas Instruments. Um, Tom Keller, former executive director or president, I forget which the title is, of uh, Maine Math and Science. The Maine Environmental Education Association. One that I found fascinating, too, was the Maine Chamber of Commerce. They came out in favor of adopting the next generation science standards or this particular bill um, because they, they made the workforce alignment how uh, so many of our upcoming and emerging jobs and careers in Maine are going to be STEM oriented. Uh, I think I saw a statistic recently where 70% or so of them are going to have some kind of, in some form of STEM field of the emerging uh, careers. So these standards are more aligned to providing students the problem-solving and critical thinking uh, needs that are going to be having, we need in our, in our emerging markets in our state going forward. So they came from a workforce uh, position as opposed to just an educational perspective. So some of the other ones that were for, like Gulf of Maine Research Institute, uh, Maine Math and Science Alliance, some of the obvious ones that, that are obviously for, for science, right? Yes. So some of the ones that uh, I want to talk about, a couple of these in particular, the ones that say... Where sure, which one? You can hear the paper being shuffled here. We love paper. Uh, some of the, couple of the ones that were, uh, first of all, neither for nor against. Uh, let's talk about that one real quick. Um, that one was by uh, Maine Curriculum Leaders Association, which we are both members of. We are both members of. Uh, they decided to vote neither for nor against for a variety of reasons. Um, and part of it was, uh, as you mentioned before, we like part of it, but there's parts of it that we're unsure on, is how you put that. Right. And I so think you, this was a good way to, to talk about that in particular, if people are a little confused on what that means. I, I, I think so. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit confused as to their, the t testimony as to what are the parts that they're not in favor of. It doesn't seem very clear to me, but um, I, I totally understand that there are 
areas in this bill that are concerning, even though I also, you'll see on the, uh, on the, on the list, I provide a testimony on behalf of my, my school district mm -hmm. um, because we've been going this way. And, but I do have concerns of it as well, as do my teachers. So some of the language that's in the bill that MCLA was confused on uh, or were no, confused, concerned. Concerned. I, I guess that would be the members who were concerned. Uh, were three things. Uh, one was about rulemaking and calls for them to have an assessment by 2021, 22. Mm -hmm. So three years from now, which is very, very fast and how that would affect our learners. Uh, another reason is uh, inclusion of state science assessment data in the PEPG systems. We kind of alluded to that earlier. We also. did. Um, we talked about in previews of that, that is up for debate. Right. That, that, and I said it on a previous podcast, I think that's going to be the thing, mm. if anything else, that holds up this particular language, the language of this particular bill. So, so there, there was a few things in there. Uh, a lot of it is uh, people, uh, members, what they, what they did was poll members across the state and see where they are in using it and how for they are. And I, I would say that most of the districts in Maine are using at least part of NGSS right now. One of the parts of the testimony that they provided during when their hearing said approximately, according to Maine Math and Science Alliance, I believe it was, that 75% of Maine schools uh, or districts, I can't remember if schools or districts, um, have adopted in some form or other the next generation science standards. So in a way, their argument was this is already happening, so this bill is going to bring us up to current practice mm -hmm. for the vast majority of Maine schools. I think my argument would be, and if you listen to our preview about this, I was a little hesitant on this one also. Mm, you were. Is that this is, ex NGSS is extremely complex. It absolutely is. And in order for this to work, there would have to be a lot of support yes. from the state about professional development around it, trying to figure out what they are, um, how you actually do these standards in a, in a proficiency system, or in a traditional system, how does this all work? Um, there's probably going to be, have to be some money behind it in order to buy some supplies to help train, if nothing else. Um, so there's a lot behind it. That was a lot of the questions that the, uh, the committee members had, had to do with cost, professional gotcha. learning, yep. um, resources, and then assessment. But those th cost, professional learning opportunities, what's that going to add on to a teacher's already, you know, over overwhelming mass of things they have to do? Yeah. And so... The professional learning one for me is the big one. Sure, because that's this, huge. It's, it's got to be a huge one that we have to be able to train teachers up in order to, to fully implement these. And then having a test three years away right. was a little, little hesitant for, for Absolutely. Many. I think the, the issue, though, to remember then, too, with that is, um, yes, there will need to be training. Yes, there will be professional learning. But if 75% of the districts or schools or whatever that it is are already using it, that training might not necessarily be, need to be as in-depth or foundational as need be. I think using part of it might be the 75%. Sure. Okay, that's not fair. Not all of it. That's fair. So well, yes, that's fair. A, a little bit more, because I would say my district is using, as a personal example, our district is using pieces of it mm -hmm. in a non-coherent way. We're trying to attack some of it, uh, but it is complex. It's complex and it's hard to find really good resources too yeah. that are that are not just have a sticker attached to it that says NGSS aligned. Exactly. Which is completely hogwash most of the time because they're just not there. There are only a few, a handful of really good resources that have been designed with the next generation science standards in mind, that full three dimensional um, perspective or three dimensional design. And 
you know, they're, it's, it's still an emerging resource field. So that's another ding against doing it is what are the resources that are actually really there that are good resources? And how is the, the, the state's going to support that? Uh, this particular one, we'll talk about a couple of the ones that were opposed uh, because we did have a couple that were opposed to this one. Yes, we did. Um, one of the representatives that's on the Education Committee, uh, Representative Heidi Sampson of Alfred, uh, opposed it. Um, and her reasoning was, if I can quote directly from her, um, yeah, I'm looking at the once, once the now. final quote, once the final from Heidi Sampson, once okay. the final version of NGSS was with all its manifold layers was published, I, Heidi Sampson, was deeply disappointed. It's not so much what's in the standards that concerns me, even though they do seriously lack scientific support. It is what's not in them that's most troubling. And then it goes on to talk about what's missing, things like, uh, she says that there are things like physics missing, the uh, scientific method is absent from the next generation science standards, um, that it's all just about, yeah, chemistry is missing, physics, life science standards like elemental foundation. So the, the testimonies out there, there's a bunch of stuff that's missing from, according to her. This was all based on a report from the Fordham Institute. Fordham Institute in 2013. It's called the Final Evaluation of the Next Generation Science Standards. Yes, this was, so this was done in 2013. The standards were released in 2012, 13-ish, right around there. So, I so. Um, so this was it, was, it was right around that time when the Fordham Institute came out uh, against this. So the Maine Heritage Policy Center also opposed it in um, That's right. similar ideas, quoting the same, uh, the same report from the Fordham Institute. Uh, which was a, um, well, let's talk about what, what they actually talked about here. They, they said the Fordham Institute uh, gave them, gave the standards a C grade for several reasons. Content is missing or implicit, kind of going along with what Representative mm -hmm. Sampson said. Um, also, a cap is put on what is taught and learned which results in students who excel in school from achieving new heights. I don't understand that one. I think that has to do more with the assess assessment boundaries piece. So, like, if you're talking, like, it says compare and contrast something or other, the assessment boundary for a kindergartner would be different on a compare and contrast level than an 11th grader. Because you wouldn't, you, you might want to have an 11th grader do more of a in-depth performance assessment, whereas a kindergartner might just have to be able to verbally explain something. I think that's a stretch. You think so? Considering I'm, we have proficiency education, that is a better way to teach. Yes. I think I'm, they can just move on. Oh. I see you want to say stuff. I'm not going to let you say it. <laughs> so uh, it does quote. I'm being censored. Well, we'll talk about that on a future podcast. Oh. While most would agree there is room for improvement regarding the state science standards, it would be an injustice to Maine students to adopt standards that are merely average, would likely be costly to the state, who are unable to prepare students for college and could actually lower student achievement. That's a lot of could, uh, woulda, shoulda could, woulda, stuff. Shoulda. Um, so anyway, the testimony is out there. They are. Um, please go find it. We'll, we'll try to put links on the Facebook page. We'll get our social media manager on. We that. will. Uh, I will say again, if you read all, if you read all the testimony and you just you, you lump it all together, you'll see the testimony that was both written and the testimony that was presented verbally was overwhelmingly in support of adopting this particular uh, bill. So the next step for this would be a work but, session, correct? Yes. Uh, I will say with the caveat that within that support, there was real questions about the state assessment piece. So that leads me into the work session. Yes. So now that the public hearing is done. Right. 
it goes to a work session. Which was scheduled for next week or this week. Uh, next it, week. I'm not sure yet. Well, well then, we'll they, then, they, then they, 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 they did schedule it, then they took it off the schedule. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Yeah. So, what, so that, what that means is that it goes to the committee, and now the committee owns it. They can do anything they want with it. So there's no more public hearing available. There's no more public comment available. If they want to ask questions of people that attend the work session, that is their prerogative. But nobody can go up and speak without being asked. Right. So they can change it. They can kill it. They can move it on as is. Uh, it'll pre probably be a whole combination of things, especially since there's questions about the cost and the PD and um, whatever that last the assessment said was. The assessment piece. Thank you. The integration of, into for teacher evaluation, yeah. So I think that's going to have numerous work sessions, just my gut feeling. I have a feeling of that, too. So the work sessions can last up to three or four hours in a day. It can keep going. Actually, it can go way longer than that one. So I assume this one is probably going to be have like four or five different work sessions because there's a lot to it. There's a lot here. Um, want to move to the next one? Let's then? move to the next one. All right. The next one is LD55, an act to return the normal cost of teacher retirement to the state. Yeah. Um, wow. This was – I believe this was uh, – this was a this was really a very interesting, um, interesting conversation that happened and was all about just like I said, returning the normal cost of teacher retirement. And I cannot, I did not remember any testimony that I heard, which I listened to some of it, um, against it. Yeah, everybody was for it, and it it said uh, the legislature voted to shift the cost to the local school units in 2013. And then there was a lot of money stuff that I honestly didn't really understand fully. Right. <laughs> I like how you just said, "Yep." Oh, I no, I uh, no, I, I'm totally understanding the, the fact that you didn't know what you were reading. Oh my god, I, I really don't. I wish I did, but I didn't. I understood the 2013 part, <clears throat> and I know this is a thing done under a previous administration, governor administration as a cost-saving measure, but it actually kind of increased costs locally, which I know, talking to school boards, it has been a big thing for the last four, five, six, seven, eight years, let's say, uh, about what is funded locally and what isn't. And the four pieces of testimony were all ought to pass. Yep. They're just changing the funding mechanism back to the state and taking it off locals, and I'd be totally all for that. Yep, yeah, um, this was presented by Paul Stearns, House District 119 up in Piscataquis County, and it's all about just making sure that the retirement funds are pushed, get off of the local taxpayers and back to the state. All right, we're on to our next one. On to the next Two one. Two left. Legislative document number 92. 92. This was a fun one. It's an act to amend teacher evaluation requirements. This was presented by Representative McRae of Fort Fairfield, who is on the Education Committee. So to remind folks about what this one is, this was, and it's actually really related to also LD14, Next Generation Science Standards in a way, mm -hmm. um, because this would make all student growth data in a teacher evaluation plan, um, the districts have the ability to make it optional. Whether it's student, student growth at a, a local level or an SLO, uh, which is a student learning objective, the state assessment data, or both, the district and the steering committee can then decide whether or not they want to incorporate student growth data into that final evaluation summative effectiveness rating. And all of the testimony was in favor of this. 
there was about five pieces of testimony, including uh, Maine Curriculum Leaders Association and one of the members of MCLA also, along with a bunch of other people. Um, right. And it's really strong support for a lot of various reasons, but a lot of it was a lot of the time that's taken to do an SLO, a lot of the um, cohorts of the people, of the, the class that, that you're doing in SLO2 could be biased in some particular mm -hmm. areas. Um, it takes away from the work of looking at data and trying to figure out how to help kids. Instead, you're filling out paperwork in order to meet a requirement of kind of stuff that you're doing already, but in a slightly different way. Right, and that's the, that, that's the, that's the problem with the, the, the SLO perception. Yeah is that it is just a whole bunch of paperwork that you have to do on top of what you're already doing. Yeah. As, as we have made mention before in a previous podcast series on PEPG, which is captivating. Um, brilliant, I would say. I, oh, absolutely brilliant. Um, an SLO doesn't have to be that. Because an SLO, as we've talked about, is really just good teaching. Right. Um, so it can be something more simple, something more simplistic. But unfortunately, it's been misinterpreted. In a lot of ways, it has to be more paperwork because it's tied to this whole Chapter 180 PEPG rule. Mm -hmm. So people think, well, now we have to do all this accountability stuff. And it, it doesn't have to be that. But One of the people but that, it has been. that testified did mention that one of their concerns, if this was taken away, even though they were in favor of taking this away, they were saying maybe it was part of the – it was a push for some teachers and administrators to look at data more. Mm-hmm. And without this push behind it, that might be taken away. And my response would be yes, but that's still good, good teaching and good administrating. And if you're not doing that, you probably should be. Right. Regardless I mean, if you're being pushed or not, that's just good. Yeah, so yeah, sure. it gets it out on the table a little bit. But I thought, I thought it was impressive that even they were testifying in favor, they said that is a hesitation that some other places may just not look at data anymore because they don't have to. Right. And, and it is, it, 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 in one of, one way I would consider it too is it could be a, uh, a CYA moment also for, for teachers. And if you don't know what that is, look it up on Google. Um, because what, what it also means is that you know if, if your entire evaluation system is based on then the observations of someone else, well then if you don't have a student growth component in there, you might have someone just looking at you and have a perception of you, but you can have this other student data that say, no, I really am effective look at the student data that I have. So it's not always just a negative thing. It could also be a very positive thing in favor of supporting really good teaching. Agreed. So Agreed. I think that's, I do, I do like the availability being optional, but I also understand the hesitation of, you know, I personally take out the estate assessment piece because that's just a horrible, horrible piece of data. Mm -hmm. Piece of data. Don't you love it when people say that? It's piece a piece of, data. of data. Piece of datum. Shouldn't it be piece of datum? Piece of data. You say data? I just did. Okay. Um, so, I'm sorry. That was a little, kind of a little aside there, a data datum. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I'm done. Okay, let's just move I, to the I, next I, one. I fell then. off. <laughs> I, got, I got distracted myself. <laughs> let's go to the last one okay. of the January 30th session. Uh, it's LD103, which is an act to ensure the integrity of for-profit colleges. Oh, now, my. Now, this I was, remember. This was fascinating. Okay, so let me, I did not go to this one. But I remember talking about this one when we made fun of all the titles. Absolutely. Which was still a hilarious episode. Very so fun. Go back and listen to that one because we, we are totally clueless in that. <laughs> we had a ball. That, was, was, that was, so a was a good time. Integrity of for-profit colleges. And what this gets down to, in essence, 
And there's there's got to be background for this one. But apparently this was... See, I don't want to say this, but some of the testimony said it was aimed mm-hmm. at one specific college. Well, the, the intention was to make it so that any for-profit institution had to be held accountable to uh, standards and... Was, uh, they had to show how their students were doing, but post after their after they graduated, and how much debt that kid, that students how get into. Debt. So how much they advertise on? Oh, how, excuse me, how much they spend on advertising versus instruction versus instruction? Yes, and their limits to those sort of things. So it was really a, a way to like limit the the insane amount of student debt that's out there. Right, which the, is a good thing. It is absolutely the language I believe targeted the words. Uh, for-profit degree-granting institutions. Of which there is one. In Maine. In Maine. And Eloise Vitelli, Senator, Senator Vitelli came up to present the bill. This is, she, she sponsored it and um, said outright during her opening testimony, I un- basically, I understand that, there's the, it's, 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 the language is aimed at that. That's not the intention of it. So we intend to go back and, wor- and rework the language of this to make sure that it's not focused on that. But it was fascinating oh, to hear. It was fascinating to hear that the language itself was intended to be one thing, but turned out to be something completely different and just aimed and targeted at one school. And they were there. They their chief operations officer was there and gave testimony, like basically saying, "Hey, I did read the testimony. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on! It's like, hey, it's just us." So I'm reading this, yeah, and it was it. I was reading some. I was reading in some type of order, and I think it was aimed at keeping those type of predatory schools out of Maine. Yes, which is which is great. And then it seen, and I'm speculating here. Then it seems the way it was written. Hey, there's only one of you. There's only one of you. Oops. Yeah. So I get. So thank you for saying that of what Senator Vitelli said, because that makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Because why would you? I, I get there's why you'd aim at one specific thing because that happens all the time. Right. But it did. Reading their testimony, it seems like eh, it doesn't seem that bad. No, they, they, they. So yeah, it was it was it was it was fascinating yeah, to, it was, just to see the it start, and then during the initial sponsoring of the testimony, immediately say, "Sorry, yep. our bad. Didn't mean to. No. Um. Yep. Uh. Sorry. We we meant everybody coming in." Didn't just mean you. We love you over so, there. So that's, the that's one of the things that happens in work session. They'll be able to figure that out. Yes. Which is a good thing. So the, the, all the testimony was basically mostly in favor that, yeah, we, we want to stop this type of thing. We don't want this to happen. Well, good, because nobody really does. The Beal one was like, as you said, hey, <laughs> we're fine over here. What are you talking about? Yeah, but why- Here's our data. Here's everything we've got. We need it. Come at me, bro. <laughs> That's exactly Come it. at me, bro. That is exactly it. <laughs> uh, there was one other one here, uh, which I thought didn't like it either. And I could be mistaken. There was one person who provided verbal testimony only, too. Who you may, you may, it's not in the written testimony. Some people do that, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't do that. Um, and uh, that, again, was as against the bill as it's currently written. Oh, yeah. But then said basically, well, if you change it, then I kind of understand it. But even still, you got to be careful because there are a lot of there are a lot of um, a lot of people coming into Maine. Part of it, we want to attract people to come to Maine. We need to make it easier for them to get a degree or get a 
to get a uh, credits to get post-secondary opportunities, and particularly if they are veterans or military. And so, how can we support them? And part of one organization that works on that and says this bill might limit their abilities. So the one that I found here was yeah. uh, testimony by Megan Sanborn of the uh, Maine State Chamber of Commerce. Basically does say our concerns about the, I'm quoting, our concern about this bill as written singles out and applies to only one school. We just talked about that one. Uh, additionally, and this is the part that a couple of people brought, brought up, there are over 300 schools that are exempt entirely from oversight by the state of Maine due to lack of physical presence. Uh, these are all the virtual schools, 100% online. They don't have a place right. in Maine. And this uh, says so these schools include for-profits and non-profits alike. This bill does not address those schools. I think my gut is telling me that they're going to change this bill into addressing that and not necessarily the one actual person or institution in this case that it was that it only affects no they're gonna they're gonna change it to be more broad and i and i think that's a good thing because I'm, just I'm, because you're virtual doesn't mean you can't bilk your right just be right? you know if you want to if you want to live or if you want to work in maine you got to follow maine's rules and so if you maybe you need to be accredited or if you want to be a, a virtual academy here great be a virtual academy here to what extent do you have accreditation to what extent are you monitoring your graduates Etc. And here are the rules that you need to follow, including how you spend your money. Yes. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. And or at least how you spend your money in Maine. In Maine. Which would be interesting for a uh, virtual academy if their professors or instructors are in, say, Wyoming. So I'm sure there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to go there. Uh, And we just finished up the testimony for January 30th. We'll we'll have another uh, podcast reviewing the testimony from February 4th. We'll be doing that one in a week or so from now um, to give us time to read it because I was just looking over because the testimony is now posted Mm -hmm. from February 4th, which was, as we're recording this, yesterday. There's a lot. Great. There's a lot to read. Bedtime reading. Especially on MLTI and then uh, sharing the uh, state share of the cost of health insurance for for teachers. That one got a lot. Awesome. there. Okay. We will have that for you as soon as we can. We'll we'll read it and we'll get it out to you as soon as we can. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye.